0: Now, guys, do remember what time is running out. There is no more time left for us to just decide we're going to chill and watch TV, but just watch Study Meeting. I'm going to we to going to for the final exam. We'll see you after this. So it's episode three already, and um, we've got some brilliant stuff coming up. And I think this might be one of our best episodes. It's of, of
1: the three that we've done. Yes. This it's is the at winner. At
0: least the 30% the best.
1: This is James Bridal. Hello. We're in Conway Hall uh, and we're halfway through Playful 2009. And James presented earlier just an amazing thing. James, um, tell us what it is that you've done.
2: Uh, in the simplest terms, I've built a machine that learns how to, well, that can play noughts and crosses and learns how to play noughts and crosses better out of matchboxes and beads. And how on earth does that work? It works because when you analyse noughts and crosses, Uh, from the perspective of a single player, particularly the player who starts first, Uh, there are only in fact 304 different ways or different decisions that that player has to make. However the game turns out, there's only 304 possible decisions. So there's a matchbox for every single one of those decisions. Each one of those matchboxes has some beads in it which correspond to the possible choices. So every time you have to make a decision you grab one of the matchboxes, give it a shake and uh, the bead that is selected uh, is the one that at the bottom of the matchbox when you open it that's where you move
1: and what, what beads are you actually using here? it looks like, um, looks like various pulses and, and seeds
2: unfortunately due to the postal strike and the high cost of glass beads <laughs> I resorted to using various dried pulses so uh, chickpeas correspond to the top left corner red kidney beans to the top middle uh, square and so on so there's a grid,
1: there's a three-by-three three grid in front of us it's with delicious. chickpeas top left, yeah. red kidneys, and all the way through to um, rose cocoa beans in the in the bottom middle. And is that, is that gungo peas bottom right? I believe so. I have no idea what they are. <laughs> but you know what they look like, and that's what's important. Yes. So you put these in the matchboxes. Yes. The matchboxes, all 204... 304. All 304 of them equate to a, a state of the game. And then the uh, the choice about how the... The Nutzen Cross's computer is going to make its next move, is based on the current state and what's in the box. Then determines the move that it makes. Is that right?
2: Exactly. So, for example, I'm holding matchbox number nine here, which is the game state where you've got an X in the top middle and a uh, a naught in the centre. And so, there's uh, seven choices open to the player who has to play now. Which means there are seven uh, little beans in here of various of the various kinds, which correspond to the uh, different places you can go. There's also a little nook in the bottom of the matchbox that I've glued in, all to 304 of them, <laughs> which took a long time. So you give it a shake, and whichever one's at the bottom, that corresponds to you move. So I'm getting a mung bean, which uh, means I, w- if I was playing as the computer, I'd go in the bottom left-hand corner. And,
1: and that means that there's an element of randomness here, but this machine learns as well. Tell us about that.
2: Absolutely, so over time, um, as you play the game, what you do is, if the machine loses, you take out uh, the bead corresponding to the to the moves that it's made from each of the matchboxes. Mm. Uh, if it wins, you add a bead, which increases or decreases the possibility of it making that move next time. Mm. And over tens or hundreds of games, it's far more likely to play winning moves than it is to play lo- mm. uh, losing moves. So that it gets better and better.
1: And how intelligent is your version of this game now? Like how, many, uh, how many games have you played with
2: it? I've only played a couple, and I've played them without reinforcement, so it's testing it. So at the moment, it's playing entirely randomly. Um, When Donald Minchie first built the machine in the 1960s, he estimated it took about 100 games for it to become uh, smart enough to draw every time, Mm -hmm. which is is the best you can do at noughts and crosses. It's not a very complicated game if you're playing someone who also knows how to play it. Mm.
1: And and even without training, how long has this taken you to put this box together, which I must say is an incredible uh, sort of like a fruit box full of matchboxes.
0: Yeah, we're calling it a machine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a wall of matchboxes with a number written on each one. It's amazing. Yeah,
2: it probably took about 12 hours to build it physically, um, but unfortunately it took me about a week of programming before that to (laughs) understand noughts and crosses well enough to build it. So I basically had to build several computer programs that played noughts and crosses in different ways in order to understand how to make it out of matchboxes.
1: And and if you're in a particular game state, so say we played it now and we were sort of two or three moves in, how do you go from the board in front of you to the number 74 or whatever that that corresponds to that?
2: Uh, You have to look it up very tediously on a long, long list of things. Um... I have made cheat sheets as well which which are also here which is just a simple listing on sheets of paper of all 304 positions Um, there is an order to them um, and if you do understand the order it's quite quick to look it up But because you've also got to take into account reflections and rotations, because there's actually 19,000 possible board moves, Mm. but uh, there's only 304 which aren't identical once you've rotated the board or reflected it, but you have to remember to look those things up as well. So it's quite a slow progress, and it gets harder as the game goes on. It's
1: absolutely astonishing. I mean, the whole thing is mind-blowing. When you were talking about it in in your session, I was thinking, that's a really clever idea. That's kind of artificial intelligence in the, in the physical world. And then when you turned around and picked it up and, and had brought it with you, I, I think everyone was, was blown
2: away. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it is artificial intelligence in the real world. It's really a, it's really a metaphor. I mean, when she did it... As a way of explaining artificial intelligence, rather than suggesting it was a very good way of doing it, yeah. <laughs> but I think it. But it does demonstrate something rather lovely, and it, it makes mm. real something that we can't always quite understand. And I kind of love it I for quite
0: that. I enjoy just looking at all the numbers. To be honest, it's quite it's quite nice in, in its way. Like all the number patterns across the uh, the grid that I'm looking at now is is attractive in itself. But that's um, no, really exciting. And, and have you met anyone? that is obsessed enough by Noughts and Crosses to to volunteer to demonstrate this hundreds of times for (laughs) you. Not
2: yet, but I was thinking, you know, well, obviously, I'm hoping that science museum will take it on as an exhibit Absolutely, and then I think they yeah. should stage kind of demonstration games yeah. of it once, once, it's, being, once yeah. it's possible um, but no you'd have to be very very committed to want to play hundreds really and hundreds of games
0: car journey or something or yeah. <laughs> <any> um, <laughs> and got <laughs> some yeah. room if, if you dropped
2: any beads because yeah. then it, the whole thing messes up yeah. uh, no it, it's absurdly complicated but, but I, I love it for that and I, I mm. think it demonstrates how clever you have to be to do quite simple things. Mm. Uh, Noughts and Crosses is not a complicated thing. Learning it is not hard. Um, but uh, but the, the sheer vast range of decisions that are involved is actually quite mm. mind-boggling.
1: And at the end of your talk, you, you then compared this to what a similar uh, sort of physical computer would be like for the game of Go, which, of course, is a much more complex uh, game space.
2: Yeah, well, when I first read about this, about the original Menace machine, which is what it's called Matchbox Educatable uh, Noughts and Crosses engine... Um, I was always thinking, like, how could we make this even cooler than it already is? And I love Go, which is an extraordinary game, but extremely complicated. So it would always been in the back of my mind. I think I wrote this down years ago. Uh, you know, go on, build this. Build this for Go. Without doing the actual calculations on quite how complex it would be. And it turns out that the the size of the machine, based on the, based on the machine i built now, if I were to build one for Go, it would be slightly larger than the Crab Nebula. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's not it. <laughs> possible, but I hope technology will catch up with my visions one day.
1: It's absolutely astonishing. We're at Playful 2009 today, uh, and uh, we've got with us James Bridle. James is uh, also known as uh, Short-Term Memory Loss, or maybe that's not, not what you're known as, but that's what I think of you as. Uh,
2: that's your URL. Shorttermmemoryloss.com, yes, or known elsewhere as STML, uh, which I've been known as for years. So you'd be uh, at STML on Twitter? and that's on certainly am.
1: Hello, welcome to Shifter Unstopped. We have a very special guest, guest with
0: us today. Yes, it's David Quantick, who's a famous comedy writer. You did uh, a thing called junk, The Junkies um, yes. for the early internet, which is quite exciting. And I think, I don't know, it, when's, when's it coming out? Well, it's it was, not. It was a pilot, like, ten years ago.
3: It was really annoying. I mean, yeah, we did the world's first broadband internet, uh, world's first internet pilot. Unfortunately, we did it, like, three months before broadband. We've got about a million Oof. hits, and it's, it's a brilliant Amazing. programme, because although Jade and I got the credit, we did sort of improvise things with Sally Phillips and mm. Peter Bainham and Peter Serafinovitz. so uh, we had, you know, Glob in Star Wars, a bloke who got an Oscar nomination for mm. Borat, and Sally, who's a genius, was such a good show that we cut Simon Munnery from it. Um, <laughs> well, he, was, he did a great monologue about shoes, which no one will ever see now. And, yeah, Kevin Eldon's in it, who's a goal. But all these commissioners came up to us and said, we just read that it cost you £5,000 to make. And we said, yeah. And they said, that's great. And then we'll make it. And then we pointed out that, in fact, yeah, we made it for free because nobody got paid. But if you Mm. put it on television, it would cost you a lot more. So no one (laughs) made it, which proves that Channel 4 are a bunch of dicks. (laughs)
0: Still,
3: No, it is a shame. Jane and I did write another script. Channel 4 gave us £5,000. So weirdly, we covered our costs. Mm. But it's annoying because we put it on YouTube in the end. You... I don't know, just saying it's, a, it's probably one of the best things we did and yeah. being patronised by somebody at Channel 4 who should remain nameless <laughs> even though they money ever commissioned Graham Linnerton shows and just going, just coming up to us and going, well done like we managed to defecate into a bowl rather than <laughs> make a really good show <laughs> so a, not bitter, <laughs> it's been ten years it's a word. and that's still on YouTube now, so if people was, haven't come across that I
0: found it on the thing
3: Yeah, no it's word. really funny the whole thing should be up there, only some
0: mm.
3: Nazi in America who thought drugs are bad managed to get the second, the third part three taken down. So thank you America oh. for that. But you can watch the first two parts, which is superb. Brilliant. Well, we will link to them. Yeah, you don't need to watch it
0: on dialogue now either, you can watch yeah, it. Yeah, we've got proper it.
3: now. Uh, it's on my, my page, my account on YouTube under my name. Oh, really well, it. Easily found then, we'll, we'll so link it's to that. there, there. there.
1: Robert Brook, the prolific. Put her up mm. and geek.
4: He wouldn't mind being called that, would he? No,
0: I think he would take it as a compliment. Yeah, it is it's a compliment intended to be. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, geek is a nice thing. We have um, the 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 office we're in at, on at, at Parliament. We have we we back onto what used to be called the, I don't know special patrol group or, or the the big police territorial mm. headquarters. Mm. And in between us and them, there is a sort of workman's yard, mm. which seems to be stuck in the late seventies because they swear
0: continually. <laughs>
4: and it's brilliant it, uh, uh, the first time it happened I thought maybe we should say something and then I thought well who would I say it to and
0: what, would and what, say? Would say? <laughs> what would you say
4: what would I say I think well, it, you know it, mm. it was it was so sweary mm. it was it was like they were auditioning for something mm. and but and, but the weirdest things come from there and, and the, I have a feeling that the police test their like, like loudspeakers there because they over, I think it was Christmas last year, they did not Christmas songs, but weird things you'd find on a like CD you buy from a petrol station type songs, right? Like Barry Manilow covers and things like that. They were very strange, quite loud. News that Mother Brown by Chaz and Dave? That sort of thing, but very you know really quite loud. And uh, what's that major track that the only major Vienna, mm. Vienna, oh Vienna. Oh. Oh. In a, in, yeah in a kind of echoey mm. echoey yard so that was quite weird but yeah they really swear they really swear but s- su- so consistently I mean mm. literally every other word
0: yeah
1: and does it rub off on you do you, do you then you spend the rest up. of the day swearing
4: in your no head? no 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 I, d- I, I, I didn't swear for a very long time and mm. I don't quite know why I didn't swear I think it's just laziness really I mean not it's <laughs>
0: <be bothered>. <laughs> extra word awful
4: <laughs> oh, I'm not making it because I think swearing properly—you have to, you you have to swear properly. If right. you're going to swear at all, you, there has to be. So some you're holding yourself to some points. kind of
0: standard of swearing that you can't even achieve yourself. Yeah, like you yeah, know, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think if if you're if people are bothered between uh, saying relational relative or commas and apostrophes that sort of stuff, mm. you think, well, you should take swearing relatively, Just yeah, term. relatively seriously. Mm-hmm. I see. And I think there's there's if it's going to be bad language, it has to be you know. Properly bad, right? It's like French or something. You don't mm. just drop in French words. It's got to <laughs> be like contextual.
1: Unless you're Del boy. <laughs> Unless you yes, Del boy gets that really yes. and I guess the argument is it will be the same for swearing. If you swear yeah out of context or badly or incorrectly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just the same as saying bonnet swear. de douche, Rodney.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Just yes, just yes,
4: yes. I think I think I think. But I'm 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 relatively pro, pro swearing. I know I know a couple of people who can swear quite well. Bad swearing is terrible. Mm. I mean, it's really not just continual swearing, but I, th- I think I think bad swearing is is the worst. I mean, that really is offensive. It's awful. It's really. I mean, it, really, it makes you absolutely cringe. And hearing someone who doesn't swear at all trying to swear mm. and I just I just, just don't say it because yeah. they've
1: been just pressured don't. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Mm. I don't. No, I, I, don't, I don't often swear. Um, I'd like to.
1: So, what have you been doing this week? I think I've seen that you've been mapping films. What have you been up to? Mm,
0: Well, um, I noticed that quite a lot on ITV2, um, About a Boy is on almost every day. And um, so to celebrate this uh, sort of um, amazing dedication and tribute to the 2002 sort of rom-com um, it's, a, it's a funny kind of rom-com but it is i think in a way romantic um and comedy um it, yeah so so to celebrate that i i became um a little bit obsessed yesterday with um spotting the locations and i own the dvd as well so, uh,
1: so you could go back and watch it repeatedly yes. and obsessively
0: exactly and and it occurred to me that a lot of it is obviously filmed around clarkenwell and, and quite a few bits are filmed in uh, north london as well mm-hmm. And there's two areas of London that I do know quite well. Probably the only two areas I know quite well. So um, I started off by identifying the locations just visually. And that was quite easy uh, with a lot of them. Because they're, um, you know, like London Zoo. You can start with quite a broad brush and go, Well obviously that really is London that's Zoo. London Zoo. That's, yeah, that's <coughs> clearly um, Oxford Street and stuff. And I knew that, you know, Smithfield's market occurs a couple of times. Uh, so I did a blog post about it. Um, based on my intuitions and the things I'd seen uh, with screen grabs and timestamps. And then um, some other people joined in and said, well, I know where the hairdresser is. And someone else said, I know where the... um, I know where the bit the car part where he stamps crisps into the seat. Have you seen this film? I know? have oh, seen I this
1: film, yeah. Right, okay, I preferred the book. I've got, to, got to uh, I haven't read the book, I'll but I should yeah,
0: I'm sure. Yeah, I get you get the feeling from the film that it's sort of um it's based on a better book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby book, isn't it? Nick yeah, that's right, yeah. Um so um yeah, so so I I sort of um aggregated the information that everyone sent in and decided the best way of representing this was um by putting the d- making a my map thing on google maps and it's great because you can identify the exact spot um and then and i've been labeling them with timestamps and the, the where it appears you know what it is that you see in the film and then uh, attaching a photo or which is usually a screen grab from the film so you can see the, the similarity um now and then and, and for the street
1: scenes is. you can zoom right down into street view and and see the road and and see the the shop fronts and that kind of yeah thing.
0: exactly yeah and you need and to yeah, yeah and you need to to do that and some of them i've done like a screen grab of the street street view next to the uh screenshot from the film nice. so you can see the comparison and it's an interesting kind of recent history document because there's a scene like for example there's a scene where um hugh grant and uh, it's being followed by the boy marcus and uh he goes round the corner by Smithfield Market and it's a Coffee Republic and I think oh that's clearly a Starbucks now <laughs> and it's like a, it's a social history document it's in the, the last the,
1: four the, years yeah, Starbucks yeah. have done better than Coffee Republic yeah Public, clearly
0: it? yeah yeah and there was a time when you thought you know everyone thought well Coffee Republic let's get that in shot yeah. that's, that's going to be massive <laughs> but there's so much product placement in it. there's so much like, there's a Sainsbury's and there's so much so like, oh, I don't know
1: Is, what, quite, so what's quite... the hairdresser then because I always wanted to go to that hairdresser and have my hair teased uh... and tousled it looked like a nice place
0: well I think it's a dentist <laughs> Yes, and I don't don't know if it's always been a dentist, but um, it's in um, West London somewhere, Uh, but go and look at the map and you'll see the exact spot. It's the one with green glass right on the window, and uh, that was hence Hemmer on Twitter, who you should follow because she's very funny. Um, She told me that, and someone else told me as well, I think, Orbin on Twitter as well, she's good as well. So... um, Yeah, it's surprising how many people know locations from about a boy. I was really surprised. But it's because it's so, so, the plot is so sort of flimsy. And it's, (laughs) it's just all about walking around London. So it's secretly just about locations in London. It's like Notting Hill. Yeah, exactly. Boy, I it? know, I'm going to do that one next. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I don't really like the film, but maybe if I watch it, yeah. I, can, I can get excited about the locations and it won't matter anymore.
1: So is that an, an early call for help then? You're going to be looking for people to I join? I think in a way.
0: And yeah. in a way, this is all a cry for help. Yeah, <laughs> cry for help. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's do Notting Hill next, everybody.
3: Yeah, the thing is, it's just very hard because a lot of the avenues have been blocked again. Yeah. And you can put stuff up yourself. The problem is now that there's so much out there, it's hard to get it noticed. I always tell people to put things on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, YouTube is is the modern equivalent. The junkies is still the equivalent of itself. Yeah. But it's got a lot more corporatised. I mean, one of the major companies was touting for stuff. They were encouraging new writers and performers. Unfortunately, you had, you had to pay for your own production costs, which makes it fairly pointless. Mm. I think the modern equivalent is going up to TV commissioners with a DVD of what you've made and stabbing them in the forehead with it <laughs> so they don't have an excuse to lose it on the way home.
0: <laughs> I bet I mind. Um. No, don't do it really, <laughs> it's illegal. So um, doing TV birth at the moment, is how long have you got left on that? We've
3: got about a month on that till our Christmas break. mm they were back in the new year for a few months, which is great. The ITV always ITV's attitude has been brilliant. First of all, they wanted to cancel it. They didn't like it for several years. And now it's a hit. They want us to do it every, every week for like 60 weeks a year. <laughs> One extreme to the other. They really are stupid. ITV. <laughs> I really, basically, I'm still waiting for a dog to become head of ITV. It must be a lottery to be head of ITV. I don't think it's something you apply for. I think it's something that if you have no parents, they come for you in a van and
0: be head of ITV. <laughs> Um, and, and it's basically watching TV all yeah. day. This
3: is why if I sound a bit weird now. Yeah. It's because I've just been eye-shagged by about... <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Home and Away a whole week's worth. Emmerdale, Collegiate oh. Street a whole week's worth. Oh, my goodness. Um, sea Patrol, which was fun because it was about sailors and wrecks. Um, just Ray Mears in Canada, which is all I've done today from 9am oh. until now whatever time we're pretending this is until well, obviously, it could be any time <laughs> so, yeah, it's all right. and now until infinity is watch really bad television mm. programs and make notes about things that stand out to you or do you do have it a just little pad of it, so, soak in what's the, you, what's the... what we do is we watch the clips and then anything we think is funny we tape from a DVD onto a video and we then show this sick compilation <laughs> tape to <laughs> Harry Hill who has his own tape it's quite if you walked in no, you'd think it was just like sort of some <laughs> surrealist version of paedophilia where we all get together and show each other <laughs> just weird nonsense bits of soap operas and mm-hmm. donkeys on fire mm-hmm. and just weird stuff. And Harry basically goes through everything and says it's not funny, so it's a great job. Oh. No, Harry does pick the best stuff and it's very democratic. There's
0: often quite a lot of Ray Mears, I've noticed, it does seem to be a favourite.
3: Ray's a big star because Ray seems like a really lovely man, but also he eats feces. <laughs> so it's quite weird it's like a giant baby that if you go out of a rake he would just stoop down and suddenly pick up a turd and start chewing on it not really well, he probably wouldn't do that I always wonder what these people would be like in a restaurant if you were in a restaurant with <laughs> Ray Mears if he would just go to the toilet and drink from the bowl or if he would order a lovely steak and then just suddenly go Jesus I've been eating all this
0: crap all my life I could have been coming here
3: so yeah, eyes have been opened hell have I wasted my life and then throw up so that's right in
1: So I'm back from South Africa, and I brought with me a selection of sweets and uh, confectionery that I've never seen before. It was very exciting. So, uh, Dave, you'll probably know all of these already. Well,
5: you know, I'm, I'm always prepared to be surprised.
1: Okay. In, in number one, this is a Nestle Bar 1, uh, which I wow. guess, uh, to describe its physical appearance, looks a bit like a Mars bar. from uh, From the... <laughs> <laughs>
5: It's like I don't want to jump into it. Well, it, it does look a little bit like a Mars bar, yes. which is of course made by
4: not Mars,
5: the, Mar- the Mars. When the Mars Corporation, the Mars yeah, like that. Yeah. Ma- Mars previously, and then they were called Master Foods for a bit. Yeah, and then they were. So, so if Nestle wanted to get a bit of that lucrative Mars bar action, this is this is the most me too product. I think you could come up with. Now apparently this is eat? the
1: most popular chocolate bar. Ooh, in South
5: Ooh, look at that! That's that's exactly I don't know. I've broken off a piece for myself. This
0: is the most popular chocolate bar in South Africa, you say? Uh, apparently, oh, that's like, nice. doesn't, this, doesn't this not does Mars the Mars now.
1: bar in a big way in South Africa. Wow. Okay, the sniff test is, is occurring.
4: I'm sniffing the cork here. <laughs> I, that doesn't. That doesn't feel like a Mars bar to me. Oh,
5: oh, it looks a lot like a Mars bar. It looks like it. Yeah. needs parallel in the right order. It's a little. It's a little bit browner. Than I remember Mars bars being. I don't Again, know on, the, on the middle. Light
0: in here, it's really hard oh. to tell. Um, yes, we right. could be we'll leading people astray. I want but... eat some of it, so I'm hoping Robert's oh, going to break oh, it
1: no,
4: Yes, I? yes, I will. I will. You'll, f- you'll forgive me not eating this because I've I've just broken yet another it taste tooth. like a Mars bar, Dave. Oh, you're in the yeah, wrong place. because I, I am in the wrong. wrong place, 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 yeah, I've yeah. got a sack of it. But I do have I have I have questions and strong opinions. Now the funny thing
5: about this Nestlé bar one, this is probably the only thing that I have really of of interest to chip in. Tastes, a, t- tastes like a lot. Tastes a lot like a Mars bar, right down to the fact that a Mars bar, of course, is normally made with Galaxy chocolate, and this tastes like oh. Galaxy chocolate ah. much more than Nestle chocolate would.
0: I would say it's much chewier than a Mars bar. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be the temperature. Tastes, well, and I would say also that it tastes like a Milky Way. Oh,
5: I think that's it. Anyone else? It's but, much less fluffy than a Milky Way. But yes. then again, I mean, the oh, thing is. Sorry. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not a regular Mars bar consumer. Yeah. And this is this is the thing with refreshing an existing brand. Yeah. Brand, is that sometimes you have to make it dark or orange flavored or or yes. what have you, just to get people interested because everyone everyone knows what a Mars bar tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. uh, the yeah, only real, some more. <laughs>
4: the
5: the only real thrill is uh, is putting them in a fridge and then cutting them up with a knife and fork. <laughs> <laughs> Really? I hate challenges,
0: yeah.
4: I, abso- I really
5: resent and yet you have,
0: it. And yet you have a sort of a high-flying job, and you, you're no, successful. I don't. And you're no, well, you're usually, wearing a suit, Robert. Wear, I'm yeah, wearing a suit. Look suits. at you, look at us. <laughs> <Come on. laughs>
4: We're both wearing jeans. It's, yes. It's, uh, yes, I am wearing a suit. I used to, I used to buy suits at Jaeger, and, and the last time I went back there, they said, I'm sorry, we don't do your size anymore. Because I'm too small, Oh. and uh, the, I, I tried on one of the the smallest sizes, and it was just laughable. Really, it was right. like I was in the crankies or something. <laughs> so you're not you're not fat enough to wear a, a, a suit from Jaeger. Uh, fat or tall enough? Okay. I, I don't I have small. To... I was yeah too small, too small. I mean, they had a size called you know small or whatever mm. it was, but it it was I looked like was packing heat or something or borrowing someone's suit. So I have to go down to Brighton. A guy called Gresham Blake, who who makes these suits. So I get I go there. And I say, I'd like a suit like that. And they look at me, and they look at the suit,
0: and they <laughs> look at me again,
4: <laughs> and they say, oh, yes, it's you. And then they get the suit, and they cut half of the suit off. <laughs> and then <laughs> I can what's fit what's into cool? it. But they're great. Gresham Blake are fantastic.
0: And did you see this in thing? I'm
4: afraid I didn't, mm-hmm. but good, I know what it is. TV oh, okay. And Dave was involved in the, uh, the manufacture
1: of
5: this. I, 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 yeah, essentially, no, I, I did a report from the set for Edge magazine it was it was fun be, being there and all the people were really into it and you've subsequently seen the show wow. and and you know and it's it seems very i i, I don't know all the nitty gritty of um of the, of the 1980s uh, computer uh history but it it all seems very authentic, and everyone I spoke to, you know, said that they'd taken great pains to to try and represent people at least moderately sympathetically <laughs> and accurately. Go did, on.
0: Did they speak to Sinclair about it? Because the <laughs> depiction of him is pretty harsh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's. Yeah, um, and it's synthetic
1: to, an, ex- to an extent.
0: But, but really, you're not on his side from the beginning, are you? Not so a lot. Just a well,
5: but you know, I, I a genius genius is, is never kind to to to, 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 to us. I am stay all too it well really no yeah. too uh, and um, I, 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 I've, I've only met Clive Sinclair briefly and that was before this went out so mm-hmm. obviously obviously I, I, I the
1: was he walking at the time or was he was he conveying himself he was your neck
5: he was cruising funnily <laughs> enough funnily enough he was playing poker that's another nice. story and um, you know he, he's, he's he, I don't think he was is <clears> completely <throat> over the top as, as perhaps he was, yeah. uh, he, he was uh, depicted in, in the programme. But at the same time, it made, you know, it, 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 I think in order, to, in order to get the drama out, in order to try and play up and make it accessible to people who aren't obsessed with the computers of the 1980s, <laughs> certain, <laughs> certain leeway... Uh... People
0: who aren't obsessed with the computers of the 1980s.
5: <laughs> I know, they won't be listening to this. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs>
4: because I thought it was a documentary, I didn't realise it was a drama.
5: Yeah, well, yeah. The curious, like, and, no. and the funny thing was, it was kind of a comedy drama as well. Oh goodness me! So they, uh, <laughs> and like, and particularly, and particularly with the casting. So, uh, Alexander Armstrong, off Al- Al- Armstrong and Miller, was Clive Sinclair. Oh wow! And Tim from the Office was Chris Curry, who was his That's kind how he
0: of
1: likes to be known by the way. It's on his CV. <laughs> from the yeah. Office.
5: Martin Freeman, the <laughs> beloved British actor and Motown music enthusiast, him well. yeah. and, um, and I yeah,
1: believe it was it was billed as an affectionate comedy drama.
0: Yeah, and, uh, to who though? I mean, it's
5: <laughs> to yeah, the viewer.
0: Uh, <laughs> I doubt that Sinclair would agree that it
5: was. The, the thing I like most about it, and uh, if if people haven't seen it, you no, know, they 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 should seek it out. Is that yes. it? Like. It, uh, as, as well as sort of to a certain extent, you know, not not maybe wallowing in this nostalgia, but giving you some sort of sense with all the archive footage and mm-hmm. things like that. I, 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 you know, I didn't know much about the history of the two mm-hmm. guys uh, involved. I didn't know that the, the founder of Acorn and the, and the kind of inventor of the BBC Micro mm-hmm. had worked for Clive originally, yeah. and Clive r- refused to really listen to him and this kind of thing. That beat all this sort of personal uh, animosity. And um, and that's and I thought I, I think that's what the that that's what the the, the show re- really brings out and of course and and it has this interesting twist where Clive had brought out the Sinclair uh, the, uh, the ZX Spectrum and which was a huge hit and everyone was playing games with it Clive w- had no truck with that and was just going this is stupid I don't want to be associated with Jet Set Willy. Yeah. I w- I w- I wanted to do the BBC Micro, I to be taken seriously yeah. did the Sinclair QL tanked. Yeah. Um, uh, Acorn had sold tons of BBC Micros, um, obviously slightly too expensive to be a huge hit in the games market, to be a huge hit in the sort of home and games market, so brought out the much cheaper Acorn um, Electron, yeah that's right, um but then of course the market was already saturated with the spectrum so both of them both of their both of them were trying to steal each other's market completely messed up for whatever technical reason and uh yeah and then at the end of sort of going oh well never mind eh? and, and, and they're, they're having a they're, they're both having a drink in the pub so
0: because you're quite a music buff aren't you you're doing like um any kind of music related stuff at the moment or just listening to music and tweeting about it on your Twitter account, Mostly just
3: insulting Morrissey still. Yeah. Um, we,
0: weren't talk, we weren't gonna ask you about it, No, I love let talking let it about it it. He was
3: on the veto list but, but if you're prepared to talk about him then I'm then very happy that I got sued by Morrissey and oh, what I said geez. about him, which I can't mention now, um, was great because it got repeated in loads of national newspapers, yeah. which probably wasn't the plan. And the lawyer's letter from his lawyers said that while well, we're going to take Mr. Connick to task for what he said about Morrissey's views. We're very upset. We can't sue him for what David Connick said about his band and his music, <laughs> which is the place I said that they were both appalling. I'm delighted this week that Morrissey yet again has failed to do a show. Last, the other day, it was health reasons, which are probably very serious. A few weeks ago, it was because he could smell burning meat. Um, this time, he was hit on the head by, if you believe his fans, a lump of uranium with syphilis. But if you believe the people at the gig, a small amount of lager in a glass. When I was a kid, you know, you'd go to a gig, literally, the audience would attack the band on stage and carve them up and eat them, mm-hmm. set fire, and the band would say thank you. And now it seems that a middle-aged Irishman gets on stage and sees a plastic glass and he has to go to hospital, a baby's dolls hospital for crying babies who are dolls. So now I don't want to talk about Morrissey much.
0: <laughs> But You've made your peace, you're not bitter anymore. No, it no, sounds I, I'm like
3: astonishingly <laughs> bitter, which is really annoying at my age to be bitter, especially when you should be thinking about funerals and stuff and you know the afterlife. But yeah, I wish I wasn't obsessed with Morrissey, but there we go.
0: <laughs> oh, we should have got Morrissey on tonight. We, we could get him he's, up he's on probably your, he's probably free. Yeah. <laughs> he,
3: he sure surely take our call, <laughs> he wouldn't, he never turns up. <laughs> <laughs> up.
1: You've uh been quite nasty about ITV and Channel 4 tonight is there anything I can
3: say about BBC that will get you to insult somebody senior at the BBC um, I'm kind of in favour of the BBC I mean, I'm mean, i a bit obsessed with the licence fee and it does get on my nerves when people say "Oh, we shouldn't have it or oh, don't watch it and you just think you're an idiot we wouldn't have anything good yeah. without a licence fee and on that logic why not withdraw the National Health yeah, a lot of the BBC programmes are rubbish, but imagine just how really bad they'd be if the BBC had no money. Mm-hmm. We'd be watching rubbish that cost a penny. We'd just be watching Bruce Forsyth's head <laughs> on a stick being waved at <laughs> some dogs having sex. And nobody would like that.
1: Have you ever seen, or even heard of, a mint flake?
5: I've, I've, heard, I've heard myths. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it spoken in hushed tones sometimes at the end of an evening. But you what a of the thing made up. up.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> and might be might be sort of a feminised. It's quite I don't know. Maybe not. feminised is it? Is that a word? But it's it's much less kind of um officially packaged than well, a f- British, f- British, British brand. Flake notoriously
4: is, of course, the ad- the, uh, oh. the advertising. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Um,
4: well, is, well, what is
0: what is is, is unisex? Is
4: um. It was it was the ladies' chocolate. mm
0: Minty. It's quite minty, isn't
4: it? I, I've
1: tried a, um, a praline flake and that was
4: okay. Oh, have you seen any dark flakes?
5: I haven't, no.
1: Mm.
4: no, no. Okay. I think the flake is unusual for being a, a, a sort of confection that kind of almost deliberately kind of disintegrates. Mm-hmm. And if that happened with anything else, you'd kind of take you, it back. You'd be furious, yes. but they, they've
5: turned a bug into a beef <laughs> yes, jerk. Exactly. That's
4: why I, I like the flake dipped, because it keeps the chocolate mm. in
5: the dipped was the. Yeah, they're nicer. nice. That's the that's most. This, this, this for me has a very strong. This is your classic Cadbury's minty flavor
0: Mm
5: -hmm. um the the kind of proustian flashback i get from it is uh when i was a child they had there was a lolly called the dalek death ray that was brown on the outs chocolate brown on the outside and bright green on the inside (laughs) and tasted exactly like this and ever since all cadbury's met like you ever have the cadbury's minty bites at christmas little tiny little cakes Oh, right. like that. It
0: tastes, it tastes exactly like. Um, is it matchmakers or something? Yep. Those mint yeah, ones. Yeah. Bit really Hits the back of your throat.
4: Mm, yeah. There's a big vat of something in Slough. <laughs> 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 and then it just gets applied to things to slaw. So slough. it's
5: it's 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 not bad. It's not particularly South African, but like um.
0: I don't know. I'm skeptical about whether the addition of mint flavouring improves the flavour of normal chocolate in general. Anyway same you'd, you'd rather just have a normal flake maybe. oh think, an yeah. orange flake Oh, now oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you've said that
5: and, well and of course and, and most controversially of all there is a mint chocolate orange I think that's made that's yeah. made a reappearance this yeah, Christmas yeah like, not
4: like the Terry's chocolate yeah. orange yes
5: but it's not actually orange flavoured otherwise it would ta- otherwise I'd be they really intrigued if, if they did one that was like brushing your teeth and then having a glass of orange squash <laughs> you'd <laughs> you
0: go oh, that's the worst
4: thing you can
0: have two next week other and try, and try and simulate that horrible experience
1: yeah, <laughs> well I guess we should say thank you very much yes. uh, cheers Robert thank,
5: thank you Dave thank nice you to thanks you. thanks for the snacks wow. they were thank, delicious thank, thank you for... the people of South Africa
0: <laughs> yeah. Are you kind of addicted to music you listen to all the time yeah I'm right? a bit worried
3: at the moment because I've just noticed that I haven't got any contemporary music I've been listening mm. to like reissues Mot the Hoople I've been mm. seeing things like magazine and What the Hoople mm. Live um, so I thought I'd join the Rough Trade Monthly CD Club, where each month you join, we well don't join each month, to be absurd, each month you get <laughs> a CD of a new band. And I looked at the list, and they just all sounded awful. They're all called things like Girls, or mm. The Clanky Project, or Men in Iron. And they just look like teenagers pretending to be bearded men. So yeah. I don't know, I really would like to get into some modern... I like Girls loud and Dizzy Rascal. Mm. And I think I've just got sort of the taste of a 15-year-old girl. Mm. <laughs> I just always hated indie music. and <laughs> It's just indie music's out of control now. It's everywhere. Yeah.
0: Did you write a Doctor Who radio play or something? At what I point? wrote
3: a Doctor Who audio book. Oh. Yeah, it
0: was... Were you a big Doctor Who fan?
3: I love Doctor Who. And when it wasn't on it was so long ago, I asked my agent if I could get to write an audio book and finally contacted them. And By the time I contacted them, it was back on the telly, so
4: <laughs>
3: they said, who would you like to write for? And before I could say anything, they said, you can have Sylvester McCoy um, or Colin Baker. And that was pretty much... They said, if, if you're lucky, you might get Paul McGann. So
0: mm-hmm. it was kind
3: of a pecking order. You basically. <laughs> really, well, you, you, can, you can
0: definitely have <laughs> Sylvester McCoy. I don't
3: think he's <laughs> yeah, doing anything. Sylvester yeah. <laughs> McCoy is was, <laughs> one of the people who's like born out of time. If he'd been around... Feeling in the 60s or something, he'd have been a good Doctor Who. Mm. But he's really badly served by this really boss, of like the BBC, really crappy 80s, you know, placky Doctor Whos with the unfunny scripts. Yeah. Um, so i was quite pleased to get him. <laughs> and I enjoyed writing it, but it didn't do a very good job for various reasons, and it was a bit comedy. The only thing was all the reviews said, comedy writer David Coddick tries to make it, and I wasn't really trying to be funny. Oh, uh, no. So they just assumed... Well, no, it wasn't great. When I wrote to them to do another one, they asked me to send in a CV of what I'd done, so I think they'd actually erase me from their mind. <laughs> I don't think I've ever applied... Uh,
0: Doctor who star scenario. It was a
3: bit weird, but... No, I love Doctor Who, and I'm really glad it's mm. back. Um, and I also like I get to go to award ceremonies mm. with the people from... And you meet people from other shows, and I can say this on a podcast, it was hilarious, mm. because there was a period we go and we'd meet the two blokes from Life on Mars or Ashes to Ashes as they called it later Um with the moustache <laughs> and the young that's one nice, yeah, and they're really nice people and we'd have a chat with them because we saw each other at the same dudes.
4: Mm.
3: but they never got a bloody award for Life on Mars and they certainly didn't want to get one for Ashes to Ashes and it was great because we'd meet them afterwards and they'd have a drink and you'd go oh, I'll see Doctor Who one again they want to do a fucking kids show and it was brilliant they just were so <laughs> angry <laughs> and I, re- I can't blame them because you know I think Doctor Who doesn't deserve every single award.
0: Yeah. Well, it is a kid's show. And well, are it you excited about show. the new guy, Matt, what's his name? Matt Smith or something? Matt
3: Smith. Yeah, that's I'm interested. I don't think young people should play Doctor Who. Mm. You know, I don't, I was always, always, been, always been, I mean, when I'm, I remember William Hartnell, that's, you know, mm. Doctor Who. They've been getting younger every time. You know, yeah. they've gone from like 90 to 60 to 50 to 30. <laughs> and the next one will probably be, oh, topical gag. Jedward from the extra. <laughs> I bet he'll be the next Doctor Who. Look out!
0: He, he will. Jedward. Will.
3: <laughs> some sperm. It's just. Don't, I don't know. I mean, he could be really good. He looks. He looks like the singer from Ned's Atomic Dustbin, which means not much to people. But he looks a bit like a curved shoe. He's got quite a weird face.
0: <laughs> he does. He doesn't have that kind of crescent moon. Yeah, mood. Well,
3: It goes with it as well. crescent like shoe. <laughs> he looks like. Basically, if the bloke from Twilight is a half moon, you know that retard, then Matt Smith is sort of a present moon, <laughs> and I think it's probably fine. But basically, he's going to be younger than Catherine Tate, he's going to be younger than Billy Piper, yeah, yeah. he's going to be younger than Freema Agyeman. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably have to get an ovum and a sperm in a glass, <laughs> <to be laughs> of existence. and if they combine, you know, um, I don't know yet. It, it kind of depends. I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad that Russell T. Davies isn't doing it. Mm. He's done it for ages. And the horror man, whose name I've forgotten, who wrote... Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat. it was very good. He's scary. Well, then he wrote Coupling, which was probably scary. <laughs> I mean, coupling was like two points alive. Very good, wasn't it? Wasn't that the idea, was that? Stephen yeah, Moffat also wrote the Press gang. Oh, oh, yeah. Press Gang, that was great, yeah. I so enjoyed good? Press Gang. You know, I was a bit old for it. I still had a slightly paedophile thrill at Dexter Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been on Buzzcocks? No, I was told what No. Telling that story. Okay, well, we won't won't record. I told the reason for it, which was completely appalling, but I can't reveal it now. Mm. Once we turn it off, you can tell us the reason. But I I think can't tell, I really can't tell you. You can't too speak it. <laughs> but I like Buzz Cox um, I actually think Simon Amstel is a really good host. He's hilarious, isn't he? I'm missing him at the moment, because they're, they're not using Simon Amstel at the moment. Oh, really? Yet. What are they using? They're instead. using
1: a variety of, of hosts. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, it's gone all, have I got news for you? Every week, different host. And I'm really missing Simon Amstel. He's a very funny man. As long as I don't get Stephen Fry... I don't think he's done it yet. I think I think with you <laughs> as the guest on one team and Morrissey as the guest on
0: the other,
1: <coughs> yeah, finally decide who uh,
0: is best. Yeah. Um, well,
3: except when Morrissey gets up to do the bit where they have to mime and sing their own song, <laughs> no one would know what his work. Only <laughs> whiny noise.
0: It's all of them. I don't want to
3: question a sport because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> it quite a lot. thought <laughs> right, you just go football.
1: Join us again uh, in, uh, well, two weeks, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, next week, there'll just be another short one. So in two weeks' time, you'll get uh, get episode four, uh, where we might, if we're really lucky, have Helen and Ollie from AnswerMeThisPodcast.com. Answer
0: Me This, Answer Me This.
1: And Preston from The Ordinary Boys.
0: Can you imagine? Preston? uh, Preston from off of... uh, Well, you you may remember him better from his stint on Big Brother a couple of years ago well you might if you um, watch Big Brother and uh, well I mean that's certainly where I know him from so <laughs>
1: you're so not so a big Preston. Ordinary Boys fan uh,
0: well I'm a big Preston fan don't yeah. get me wrong we're, we're like we're Twitter buddies and everything um, mates. but uh, but I don't know a lot of their songs but I do know a lot about his relationship with Chantel having read Chantel's biography brilliant
4: um, no, actually,
0: so can
1: we bring a copy of that and have him autograph it
0: oh imagine oh, <laughs> brilliant, I'm going to do that I'll bring it in
1: he won't be at all offended
0: no I think he'll he'll see it in the the light is intended anyway that's um, the next episode
1: and if you have accidentally stumbled across this on iTunes or whatever and you, you don't know what it is you're listening to you can come to shiftrunstop.co.uk and find out more mm. you won't find out much more I mean, no. you'll be able to listen to the episodes to
0: find out same in a different way yeah. and then we pictures as well probably.
1: pictures and words
0: pictures and words a few words
1: a few a links there might us. be some links to the things we've talked ah. about And if you have any questions for mm. us or things that you think we should know Uh, or stuff that you would like us to look into for you, or maybe even people you think we should interview. That would be quite nice. Yeah. Get in touch. That would be great. You can email us at podcast at uk. Goodbye.
0: Um, Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, I can't stop doing that now.